This is Journey, exploring the customer experience, a special six-part Story Connect miniseries hosted by Carrie Huckabee. Journey is a production of WordSouth and Pioneer Utility Resources in partnership with our presenting sponsor, Calix, whose mission is to enable broadband service providers of all sizes to simplify, excite, and grow. Email us at hello at wordsouth.com to continue this customer experience conversation. Awareness. It's the first stop on the customer journey. The journey begins when the business or individual realizes they have a pain point. Maybe they just moved into your community. They begin to do the research looking for a solution. Here's your opportunity. The introduction. The chance to make a first impression. What will it be like to do business with your company? What impression will you make? And what does the customer experience look like at that stage? A few years ago, Power Digital Marketing reported that 90% of consumers want to be influenced early in the journey. Unfortunately, some companies wait for the decision or the purchase stage, and then they miss out. It's not only about catching the customer's attention, remember, it's 8 to 12 seconds at the best, but it's also about creating the right message or having the content, the tools that speak to the target audience, and using the channels that the buyer frequents. This is where you show understanding for their pain points and that your company, your employees, have the expertise to solve their challenge. A marketer's job is never easy and it's never done because it's not a one-size-fits-all or let's build a great network, a product and service and they will automatically sign up and buy. In this second episode of our podcast series, Journey, Exploring the Customer Experience, I asked my guest, how are you introducing your company to potential customers? And what kind of impression are you making at this very early stage of awareness on the customer journey? I start with Dee Dee Longenecker. She's the Director of Business and Development over at East Tex Telephone Co-op in Texas. I asked her these very questions. And she said that she believes one way that her company is making an impression is using the power of storytelling. We focus a lot on what has worked for us forever, what's tried and true. Um, We have a strong presence in our communities so that people know who we are. We've been around since 1950. So we have longevity and we have a brand that's widely recognized in our communities. So we haven't historically done a ton of promotion. And part of my role when I started three years ago was to change that because I think a lot of cooperatives and and smaller rural companies kind of have struggled with telling their story, you know, promoting themselves, talking about the good work we're doing. And it's interesting because I think we've all seen through the pandemic that change. And it's become essential to, you know, toot our own horns and let people know that these are essential services we're providing. Derek Barr is the assistant GM over at Hardy Communications in West Virginia. And I asked Derek about his service territory and his customer. I also asked if having a 100% fiber network automatically gives his company extra points on the awareness scale. A lot of people have weekend homes here, uh, 
seasonal homes here, and they actually reside most of the time in the uh, northern Virginia, D.C. area. So um, that's that's the as far as the local residents, a lot of elderly folks. Um, so a lot of them are just now coming around to the realization of how important broadband is. Um, so we've we've actually been booming through all this uh, with the attention that COVID's put on being at home and working from home, education from home, um, telemedicine, all of those things. We, we've been uh, demand very much in demand here through 2020. We use social media, but it's more for just general interaction and some of the other steps along the process. Um, as far as the awareness stage, we don't really have to because um, it is definitely now something that anybody looks for um, when they are going to an area. They look for broadband availability. It's not something that is um, an option anymore or something that's kind of considered an added plus. It's an absolute necessity. So people are looking for that. So when they're looking, I mean, I know for a fact that, that some of the other counties around here don't have the, the movement in the real estate market that Hardy County has. Uh, and, and that's because they don't have fiber and, and Hardy County does. And, and so that's, um, you know, we, we certainly promote those things, you know, as, as we hear about them. And um, I will say just the, the real estate market alone, having those agents know that you know broadband is that we can offer the speeds that a lot of these northern virginia people and dc people need um that's that's how we get our word out there i asked derek if he utilizes one particular department or if his company has a sales team and he reminded me of something that i've always said throughout my career everyone is in sales it's not just uh, a sales team. And, and to be honest, we don't even have a, a specific sales team. Um, our customer service group, you know, do, they work as our sales team, but getting the word out that, hey, it's also outside plant. It's also the techs. I mean, everybody is, is involved in, in, in the idea of, of selling and educating the customer as to what we have available. It's hard to beat word of mouth marketing. Best Company says that 80% of customers say word-of-mouth recommendations from people they trust make them much more likely to purchase. 92% say they trust word-of-mouth more than they do traditional ads. These conversations at the grocery store, the ballpark, and at church, I mean, they're extremely meaningful to the brand. And speaking of Sunday dinner, Kyle Randleman, the VP of Marketing and Customer Operations at Star Communications in South Carolina, told me how word of mouth works for them. Like traditions and family recipes, awareness happens when one generation passes along to the next while they do business with the co-op. A lot of our customers learn about us from learning from their parents and their grandparents or living in the area um, I think we sometimes a lot of co companies overlook the fact that, especially in more rural areas, um, the people that come back probably grew up here or had ties or um, uh, uh, you know, parents and went to school here and got all went off, got their education. And they decided to come back. Um, so a lot of that happens. And and when I was kind of mapping out the awareness portion um, on our customer journey. Um, found a lot of that did happen. Um, you know, they would come, they'd go to school, they'd come back. Well, they'd probably already used our service or heard about us uh, you know, at their with their parents. 
So that kind of really led us to try to improve our customer service. Um, we, we really need to service the customers we have now because their children and even their grandchildren may be the ones that I have to serve 20 years from now. At WCTEL, Shannon Sears is the Director of Commercial Operations. His cooperative has connected thousands of new consumers to fiber in the last few years. And his company has several projects happening where they plan to connect thousands more. They've gone into new CLEC areas where they didn't have the brand recognition, and no one had ever heard of WCTEL. So Shannon explains that awareness did start with word of mouth, but then they were able to support it and enforce it with strategic messaging and visibility. I was talking about our CLEC and, and kind of how fast that's growing in a, ta- in a county that's right next to our traditional area. And, you know, we had to build our brand in that area. They really wasn't, weren't that much familiar with our service and what we did even though we'd been here for a long time, we never provided service there. So they didn't really know much about us from a company standpoint. So we really had to focus on, you know, how are people going to find our company in this area? And, uh, and we spent a lot of time with that. And I tell you, one of the most successful ways is word of mouth. When you provide uh, great customer service and, uh, and you can back it up with, you know, with solid service, uh, you know, you'll, you'll have people talk about it. And I think that's been a great, a great thing for us. We were one of the first companies in South Carolina to have a full fiber to the home build out in our traditional area. And now we've expanded that fiber into this area. And we really just had to educate the customer, you know, yard signs. We would do anything uh, so that neighborhoods would know, you know, kind of who we were. When Shannon says that they will do whatever it takes to make sure the neighborhood knows WCTEL, he means it. WC Tail has a residential team whose goal is to pre-sell the fiber service before the construction project is finished. Our goal, uh, because we were building out fiber, was to pre-sell it into these neighborhoods. And so we would begin by sending uh, mailers to these to this neighborhood. We would try to draw interest and collect orders prior to even actually starting construction. And that's a bit of a challenge in and of itself, uh, especially if they don't know who you are. But uh, as our as we moved out in this area, we got more and more people, you know, heard about our service. They were almost begging us to come to their area. They were very underserved with their current provider. And so we do. We had a, a, a person that would go do uh, door-to-door sales in these neighborhoods, but we would do things to prepare the neighborhood for them coming. For instance, we would uh, we would send them a letter with the person's picture on it, tell them a little bit about who that person is, uh, you know, because in this day and time, door-to-door sales is not super popular, but we wanted them to know who we were as a company, so we would tell them stuff about us, but we would really prepare and lay the groundwork uh, for the salesperson to come in, and it's been very successful. Shannon and his team found out that it takes multiple channels to reach the level of awareness that they needed in those new fiber build areas. And they needed that level of awareness in order to meet their financial and their business plan objectives. I asked Dee Dee at, over at East Tech's, how do you find your customer 
Or how do you make it easy for your customer to find you when you go into a new fiber build area? When we have a fiber build area, we typically do a couple of things that are that are different than the norm. We set up oftentimes a information station in that area. So if there's a particular subdivision or neighborhood, uh, we will set up neighborhood signs outside of the community and we will set up information stations where we will plant a staff person who's there to educate folks if they want to come in and learn, you know, the the particulars, and they'll even be able to fill out some of the paperwork that they need. As our fiber project progresses in an area, we'll also send people door to door. We have staff that will send door to door with fiber information packages that we will leave on, on people's doors with door hangers that give them you know, all of the information they need to follow up and actually convert the service to fiber. We want to make sure customers that we get those efficiencies while we have those contractors there with boots on the ground, that we can turn up as many people as possible. The CEO GM of Menburn Communications is Deb Luke. And Deb says that in addition to word of mouth, her company has found some really creative and proactive ways to get out there in front of potential customers to let them know about the company, its products, and its 100% fiber network. A lot of times their first stop is going to be the city clerk's office. And so we have uh, welcome packets that are left with the city so that when a customer comes in and does sign up for water and sewer, that they're able to get our information. We also um, have contacts with all the realtors that are in town. The realtors are aware of our fiber to the home network. And so they talk about that with customers that are looking to make purchases of homes that are in our service territory. That sometimes is one of the big challenges that someone moving into an area that they're assuming that there is internet service there. And in many cases, it's not. But here, they're able to know that up front, that there is a quality fiber optic network. And then I think the involvement that our staff have, and that I have also at a community level in nonprofit organizations, um, the Chamber of Commerce, the economic development groups, we're pretty active and visually available to the communities so that they see us all the time too. Deb and her team found ways to raise the awareness level on the customer journey, but they didn't stop there. The team went above and beyond to not only to be the premier broadband provider, but also to arrange a solution when the local post office closed. A number of years back in our smaller exchange, the post office was going to be closing and I reached out to the um, U.S. Postal Service and we now have what's called a village post office in our Menburn office. We've had that oh, probably for about six or seven years now. And when the post office is closed in town, customers can come into our office and purchase stamps and the, the boxes and those types of things. But again, it's another touch point that allows the customer to come into our office. And um, it's meeting a need there for when the post office was closed. But again, it was to encourage them to have that interaction with us on a totally unrelated topic, but yet it allows us the opportunity to engage in conversation about our services too at that time. 
Menburn Communications discovered a way to not only further serve their community, but to introduce the company to people not yet their customer. Innovative, creative, I love this idea. We've talked about awareness mainly from the residential perspective. I switched gears a little bit and asked Kurt Grunling, the VP of Marketing and Business Development, if he believes the awareness phase is any different for a business than it is for a residential consumer. WCVT in Vermont, they offer hosted PBX and other business-related services. Kurt explained how they not only raise awareness, but they try to engage with their businesses to make sure that the community understands that WCVT is a leader with heart. To do business with those customers that do business with us and help, you know, promote them. So whether that's, you know, through a case study, you know, they, there's obviously uh, a mutual benefit there to, you know, our, our monthly uh, internet email newsletters where we're, you know, buying, um, you know, whether it's gift certificates or, um, you know, a ski pass or, you know, different products uh, or services from the local businesses in our community that were, you know, then in turn raffle off, right? So, you know, every month, you know, that's, we're buying something from these local businesses in our communities and also promoting them, right? That's, that's the, that's the ancillary benefit to them as well. Um, you know, we try to focus on uh, uh, letting people know about, you know, not only the existing businesses, but also new businesses as they, as they pop up. Um, you know, we've even been gone so far as of late where we've been uh, doing more of them, you know, just obviously with all the COVID challenges that small businesses, you know, restaurants, other retail type businesses that, you know, not, might not be fully open or open for t- uh, takeout only, right? These are the, uh, these local businesses are the things that make our rural communities unique. You know, we need them and we need them to be successful uh, for us to be successful, I really admire Waitsfield's commitment to their businesses, especially when COVID has made it so difficult for many of them to stay in business. I recommend going to their website and checking out the business case studies. They are very well done, and I can see those being very helpful when a consumer is looking for information. This Story Connect miniseries is brought to you by Calix. Every home, every broadband subscriber is unique. That's why you need insight that only user data can deliver. Calix Marketing Cloud helps you unleash the power of data to drive ROI, boost ARPU, and ultimately improve the customer experience. Calix Marketing Cloud is built with machine learning that automatically processes data, identifies valuable subscriber trends, and intuitively recommends segments. Who's working from home? Who's hitting their broadband thresholds? Who are your gamers and heavy streamers? Who's having a poor experience and needs to know how to improve it in real time? With the Calix Marketing Cloud, you'll have the data you need to get the right message to the right customers. Visit calix.com to see how other broadband providers are improving the customer experience with Calix Marketing Cloud. Schedule a demo at calix.com or speak with your Calix account specialist. Simplify the way you market. Excite your subscribers across the customer journey. Grow your business. All with Calix Marketing Cloud. Greg Hunters, the marketing and PR specialist over at Nemon in Montana, he explained that their market is very diverse and it requires Greg to look at multiple avenues to reach all those consumers. They have a cooperative territory, CLEC areas, reservations, 
competition, no competition, and a transient workforce that can grow or shrink a town overnight. For Nemont, the awareness stage on the customer journey means being strategic. It means speaking to a different audience with a targeted message and using the channel at the right time. We have such a, um, a diverse um, service area because we have two reservations that we serve. We have the, the uh, transient type population that we have over in Williston with a lot of traffic coming in and out of there, depending on what's going on with the oil activity. I mean, that, that population of that city alone, it's like it can double overnight and then turn around and go back to where it was. And then you, so that's completely different than a cooperative area. Cooperative area, we seem to have kind of an older demographic, um, not as many younger families. Those younger families are uh, specifically in some of the communities that we deal with. So we we do a lot of different things. I mean, we have um, influence marketing that we do, or influencer marketing, and we use blogs, email marketing, um, Google ads, testimonials, a lot of different things to reach those people, a lot of stuff with social media to get out there and try to, to get that person um, interested. And then the cooperative area, like I, I was mentioning, there's not as much... Um, competition there so it's a little different to market there than it is in say over in williston where we have a huge amount of car competition so we we've been doing a lot of target marketing in williston um, we have like 52 percent of the our facebook users over there are women and 33 percent of those women are between 25 and 34 years old so we're, we're we're tailoring our market to those people in things that they actually like and and we're using our marketing to touch those particular people so that's kind of how we're doing it i mean we look at like um, we look at the top um, pages that people users are using in rele relevance um coffee's a big thing over there delis um cafes yeah there's three or four um coffee places on the top 10 lists of pages that they search for so we know that's big over there. So we we use that when we do our marketing and try to, you know, like we're working on a campaign right now that's specifically talking about bumping up a speed where it's $5 a month. So it's the price of a cup of coffee. And that's how we're basically, basically making that particular thing. It's um, for a price of a cup of coffee, you can go, you can increase your speed three times. Greg touched on a couple of really important factors when it comes to successful targeted marketing. First, he had the data. He had the data to support his decisions. The demographic information tells him who his audience is. Second, he knows what they like, coffee. Having the data gives him that insight regarding who, what, and how to create a better experience. And no customer journey conversation is complete without talking more in depth about digital presence. According to Forbes, 70% of businesses chose to kick their digital presence and social media into high gear during the pandemic. I asked my guests how important they think digital presence is as the first stop of the buyer's journey. 
Uh, that's a great question. I think obviously the web is the first place people are turning these days, right? Uh, even though we are a local uh, company and you know we have local business offices, right? That they could you know come down to at, at, at any time. You know, I think for all of us, right? You know, a lot of that uh, initial preliminary research has shifted to the web, so that online presence is certainly critical. Potential customers of Star Communications uses multiple websites to research the area and their services. Kyle tells us they use CrowdFiber as an additional touch point and a source for information when customers start looking for broadband service in the area. If they're from out of state or out of the, the local area and they're moving in for a job or whatever, it's it's mostly, you know, people go to Google. Um, you know, when we've done our studies, they go to Google, they'll they'll search county websites, they'll look at Chamber of Commerce websites, they go to the broadband map. Um, so, you know, it's the, they just go straight to the internet um, if they don't know someone in the area personally that they can reach out to. We, we use a, a, a third-party application on our website called CrowdFiber. And, um, you know, it, it's, we've mapped out our territory using the CrowdFiber app, and uh, it's actually on our app. We have an app for our company as well, and it's on there. So customers can pull it up, type in their physical 911 address, and we've gone through and, and taken the time to to tell what features or services or speeds are available at that certain area, and uh, even go to the as far as we went through and, and took it to an extra step and told them the price. We've heard some creative ways to raise awareness: websites, door-to-door sales, and targeted messaging. We haven't talked social media. When D.D. Longenecker was hired as the Director of Business Development at Eastex, she found there was an overall fear of having a presence on social media, and she felt strongly that that needed to change. The fear was that we would really just hear a lot of complaints, and the typical complaints that you hear in, in the rural areas are about, you know, the lack of high broadband speeds or the higher prices of service. And and those, I think every small company uh, can relate to that and, and hearing those complaints, you know, that's part of our entire purpose of being here is that we do have an incredibly high cost to serve these very remote rural subscribers. Um, you know, and so it makes a lot of sense that, you know, that's the perception is that our, their services might cost more. So that was the fear. I think that we would see a lot of complaints and, um, you know, that we wouldn't necessarily be able to shine enough of a light, uh, you know, to kind of offset those negative interactions. Um, but, you know, I, I agree. C- Social media has been around for quite some time, and I feel like um, before I even started with Eastex, you know, it was it was clear to me just because I have a passion for marketing and had gone back to um, business school to to pursue an MBA in marketing, and so I'm just passionate about it, and I feel strongly that you know wherever people are going to talk, they're going to talk, and you know, all you can hope to do is to be a part of that conversation and help steer that conversation. So in my opinion, um, 
if customers are talking about you, you know, that everybody in PR and marketing says there's no such thing as bad publicity. And and I'm not sure I completely agree with that. But, uh, but I would say, you know, if there's a conversation happening, it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity um, to address what's happening, you know, to show that you care about improving the situation for the customer. And I think where you know, you're not just addressing that to one person individually. In a social media world, the, you have the opportunity for so many other sets of eyeballs to see that response and to react to that. Globally, there are almost 4 billion people using social media. That's billion. Add another estimated billion by 2025, and that's a lot of engagement and conversation. I've known Kyle Randleman a long time, and he's had a love-hate relationship with social media as long as I've known him. But it sounds like he's finally become a fan. Well, fan may be a strong word, but he has found that social media has its place. You probably know this about me. I'm, I despise social media. Always have. I can't stand it. See, that's the problem. I'm not marketing to... 25,000 Kyle Randleman's out there. I, I need, I, and it took me a while to try to understand that. So, just despite my personal despise of social media um, and all the noise that it creates, um, you know, I had to, oh, I had to eat crow and accept social media is, a, is definitely a, a part of our uh, brand that we need to push. And so, what I did is I went out and I hired a social media consultant that's local um, and knows our knows our company very well. Her father used to be the general manager of my organization. And uh, so, you know, went off to school, came back, started having a family, started up, you know, she started up this business on her own of, of assisting local businesses with their social media presence. That fit well into my game plan because, again, I hated it, didn't want to do it. So, but she's taught me a lot, um, really has, um, you know, we've, we've gone out and, and, and uh, you know, done the Facebook thing. We're, uh, we're, we're uh, moving toward Instagram now. Uh, she's, she thinks we, we would uh, do better for our younger generation on Instagram. Uh, we have a YouTube page that we do a lot of our uh, videos and we post up on that and, and push our YouTube page. Uh, what else are we doing? Uh, Twitter. Um, so yeah, she's got us involved in a lot of this stuff, uh, and it's a way to, to kind of change the way our, our images is, lo- is looked after. As I bring episode two to a close, I thought it was important to hear from Derek Barr and Deb Luke about how they use their role as leaders in the industry to raise awareness not only on their local level, but also on the state and federal level. Derek says that Hardy Communications has reaped some rewards and benefits from being located outside of D.C. They've been an example used by the FCC in order to set a standard of what rural broadband should look like. We've uh, actually had the past two chairs of the FCC um, have both visited our county um, and to to see what we've done with the fiber network. So it was uh, Tom Wheeler uh, back before. And, and interesting thing about West Virginia, we have one Democratic senator and one Republican senator. So um, our Senator Manchin 
Joe Manchin brought Chairman Wheeler to our area to say, look what's been accomplished here. And then Senator uh, Shelley Moore Capito brought Chairman Pai, who is just leaving here uh, in, in a couple of days. You know, his term will end. But um, he also came to the area. And Chairman Pai, I know, um, throughout the rest of the time that he's been serving in that position, has actually kept referring back to what he saw in West Virginia and what a difference it can make. Because the reason they brought them here was to say, look at the businesses that have been able to come in. Um, you know, look at the, the type of, of difference it makes between one county and a neighboring county that doesn't have a fiber network. So our awareness is extraordinary. We, through their contacts, they're telling a lot of their people they used to work with, man, I found a little piece of, of heaven here, you know, West Virginia, almost heaven. Um, so, you know, that they're saying that this is a wonderful place and, and they're promoting us. And, and so that's just been invaluable to us. Deb Luke serves on multiple boards, but maybe none more important than her appointment to the Governor's Empower Rural Iowa Connectivity Task Force. I think that is an incredibly important role um, within our organization is one to be the advocate for our customers at the, the, the state and the federal level. So I've been very actively involved in our state association and served at various levels on different community or committees and um, also served as president of our state association. And through the, the state association, we work with the legislature on different um, bills that come up that potentially impact how we provide our service to the end user. I was recently uh, appointed by the governor to uh, serve on a two-year task force, which was called the Empower Rural Iowa Connectivity Task Force. And uh, that two-year term has since uh, ended, and I was reappointed to serve another two years. And that task force has worked hand-in-hand with our governor to identify the challenges within the state on some of the areas that have not been served with broadband that meet the current 25-3 requirements and how can we get additional funding to be able to allow providers to build into those areas that are not currently being invested. And so in front of the legislature right now um, in the state of Iowa is a $450 million um, program that um, the governor is asking to be supported for um, implementation over the next three years. So being involved at that level also brings additional awareness to our company and who we are and what we represent. Consumers are looking for information in the awareness stage. And you've heard from my guest how they are using their staff, collateral, storytelling, web presence, door-to-door sales, and unique ways like post office functions to engage, to start a conversation about their company, their products, and their services. I hope you've heard something that will help you meet the challenge of earning your customer's attention at that awareness stop. And remember, it's all about creating the best first impression and delivering an outstanding customer experience. Stay tuned and watch for episode three in our series. We will be talking about the interest and evaluation stage. You'll hear how my guests are making sure customers do not get stuck at the awareness stop and how they move them along the customer journey. 
So join me the next time for Journey Exploring the Customer Experience. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journey Exploring the Customer Experience, a six-part Story Connect miniseries hosted by Carrie Huckabee. A special thanks to our guests and to our presenting sponsor, Calix. Visit calix.com to learn how their cloud and software solutions can help you simplify your business, excite your subscribers, and grow your value.